supporting ministry is a group of lay people typically operating under a 501c3 corporation, nonprofit, that has its own board and functions in a way that supports the ministry and mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They're not owned or controlled by the church, but their activities are in support of the church. I didn't know a thing about supporting ministries when I first became involved in ASI, but I soon learned that they were a group of people who seemed to have a sense of conviction. In the context of our meeting here today, they were the nevertheless people. They were ones who were willing to go and do and sacrifice when it seemed absolutely impossible and unworkable. They seemed to actually believe and to practice their faith in a way that demonstrated a belief in the Bible and God's prophet and made that a central core of their belief and teaching and it was their motivation. We have supporting ministries around the world. They are unique in that all of them related to ASI are in support of what the church does. They have no agenda other than to be a benefit to the church and to support the church. They operate schools and hospitals and health centers and vegetarian restaurants. They operate training programs of a simple nature and more complex. They believe that education is very important and agriculture is a key part of the educational process. In fact, they think it's the ABCs of education. They believe also that every student should have an opportunity not only to learn intellectually, to be growing spiritually, but also to grow in terms of practical skills that are character building. I just might say parenthetically that a year ago we told you about some very threatening litigation to one of our self-supporting schools in Tennessee that the United States Department of Labor had sought an injunction to stop their educational program as it related to practical things. And I'm here to tell you that the judge has ruled entirely in their favor, has grasped the concept of work study, that it's a religious conviction, and that they entirely won that case. You know it takes conviction to motivate sacrifice. If a person is not convicted of something, then there's no purpose. If a person has conviction that Adventism is true, that it's important, and the world needs to hear it, because Jesus is coming soon, then it is the key to understanding the supporting ministries that you'll hear from this afternoon. They believe it, they practice it, and they have a desire to see Jesus come and to be in partnership with the Seventh-day Adventist Church in all of this. You'll enjoy what you're going to hear. Good afternoon, everyone. Isn't it a wonderful Sabbath to be able to come together again for another great program? And this one is no exception. We're spotlighting supporting ministries. And when I think of supporting ministries, what rises to the top pretty quickly is Outpost Centers International, an organization that might be considered maybe the granddaddy of supporting ministries. With me is Marcus Yaudis. He's the president of OCI. And tell me why that it might be considered that way, Marcus. Well, <clears throat> OCI is kind of an umbrella to different uh, uh, supporting ministries around the world. We count about 70 plus ministries and uh, we are giving counsel and encouragement and support to these various ministries around the world. How did OCI get started? 
Well, 1904 was the year when self-supporting was started by two educators, Sutherland and McGann. Ellen White strongly supported this move of these two men out of the church work into self-supporting work, and that was in Nashville, Tennessee, Madison, God's Beautiful Farm. Most of you may, might have heard about that book. And uh, 1947 was the date of birth of ASI, and at that time it was Adventist supporting or self-supporting institutions at that time. Then later on, business people joined these meetings and they later, much later, took ASI with them and the ministry people then started later OCI, which was ASI in the beginning. And that was 18, 1983. Can you describe for us some of the uh, supporting ministries that are under the umbrella of OCI? Well, um, there's a, um, that, I mean, there's a, a big number of different ministries around the world, academies, um, medical missionary institutions, lifestyle uh, change, uh, restaurants, wholesale, uh, aviation, mission aviation, media work, uh, printing work, there is no end. So you name it and it's all underneath OCI. All underneath OCI. And what kind of partnership or work does, it, does OCI do with the church in support of the mission of the church? Well, we work hand in hand as much as that is possible. There are areas in the world where the church has not yet embraced the concept of uh, self-supporting work. And there it is a little bit more difficult, but we try very hard to work hand in hand together. And can you tell me what sets OCI apart? How, what differentiates it from other organizations? Well, um, I would say, first of all, OCI is Outpost Centers International is based on the city outpost concept. And that is revealed by Ellen White. She has very strongly put emphasis on Enoch's uh, example. And that is why we work the cities from the outpost, from a countryside project. And um, we then go to the cities and work there and uh, reach the, the masses. Can you tell me what looks, what's in the future for OCI? Well, um, we believe that OCI has a bright future since on our last leaders retreat, we um, welcomed a large number of young people who are enthused to become involved in full-time mission. And uh, we see a growing number of young people being interested in really sacrificing everything to serve the Lord, number one. Number two, we see also a need for family ministries and uh, ministries where a group of young people can start a ministry without all this administrational background. And we have created a kind of an associate membership for these people. And uh, these numbers are growing as well. So can you tell me um, what kind of stories might you have to share with us from OCI, from the experience from these outpost centers? May I just uh, add something what sets OCI apart before I tell the stories? Okay, I'll let you do that. I'm sorry, right sorry. <laughs> um, yes, what sets OCI apart besides the city outpost concept is that uh, we have a strong leaning towards medical missionary work. You will find that lots of our ministries have somehow an inclination towards that because Ellen White speaks very heavily about it. She says that every church member should become a medical missionary um, in, to, to the, uh, the world. And, uh, and so we find we find that leaning towards medical missionary work, but at the same time, we are striving very hard to find the balance between healing, preaching, and teaching. And all these aspects you find very strongly in the self-supporting work. Also, um, 
uh, we are networking among the ministries, and that is a strong side of Outpost Centers International. The networking on our leaders' retreat, and ministries find ways of really working together and encouraging each other, and that seems to me a, a valuable point here. Okay, tell us one story that you have for us, Marcus. Um, on my travels, uh, I found that the Korean nation was a very mission-minded nation, and uh, about 20 years ago, Eden Valley went to South Korea and um, did some training with mission-minded people. And they left the place and never had a chance to go back for whatever reason. And these people were so impressed by what they had learned that they started ministries all over South Korea. But nobody ever nurtured them, really. And when I found that, then I decided in myself that um, we should go there and have a convention and gather these ministries and make them aware of what they are doing and that there are more people around them. And this is what we did this springtime. And uh, we were surprised to find 120 people attending at, at the first convention. And uh, our, our advertising was pretty poor. It was done the last three weeks. And still there were 120 people. And we were very blessed. We had reports from about 25 ministries in South Korea and in 10 other countries around South Korea. And we found that people were reporting and were so excited about this convention that at the convention they started their own organization to continue this type of work. Well, Marcus, that sounds really very exciting and that the future is very bright for OCI. And thank you very much for sharing with us. Thank you. Now we have someone that's going to be joining us from Riverside Farms. And you will notice when I introduce him, his name is Ron Yautis. He is related somewhat to the, well, not somewhat, you are related to the gentleman who just left us. He's your father. And so you have followed in his footsteps in the participation or the leading of a supporting ministry, Riverside Farms, which is located in Zambia. Tell us what is Riverside Farms? Riverside Farm Institute is a lay-operated uh, mission station about an hour's drive from Lusaka. We have about 90 people working there on 3,000 acres of land and we operate a training program, medical missionary work, evangelistic outreach and self-support in the area of agriculture and maize business. Now th that's a lot of words and a really long definition. Can you break it down for us and tell us what happens then on a day-to-day -day level say with the evangelism? Okay, we have a director of evangelism who oversees 32 lay Bible workers that are posted in different areas of the country. These, some of these lay Bible workers have started their own little training program, and so we, have, we started six new training centers last year, and we're very thankful for that. So that's some of the things he does. Then on top of that, the other lay Bible workers organize regular evangelistic series, and we help coordinate with equipment, with material, etc. Tell us a little bit about some of the medical work that's happening there. On the medical side, we operate a lifestyle center, a small uh, sanitarium, you could say. Then we have also um, a clinic which takes rural patients, and we also operate mobi mobile bush clinics in remote areas of the province. Now, I have been, I've had the pleasure of visiting Riverside Farms Institute, and it's a beautiful location. And there are lots of, there's been a remarkable influence on the individuals that are around, the people that live there. I also know that there are a number of individuals who, there, who live there in Zambia that work at Riverside Farms mm -hmm. that have not been Seventh-day Adventists. What kind of impressions or influence is the work in, at Riverside Farms having on them? Well, as a matter of fact, a, number, a good number of them have been baptized and joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church, just similar to the lay Bible workers. 
Actually, last year, more than 3,000 people expressed a desire to be baptized as a result of the evangelistic efforts of our Bible workers. Now, I think one thing that um, our attendees wouldn't understand, when I went to Zambia, went to Riverside Farms, it looked like it was all barren, like there was no one around. How do they find these people? Are there that many people around in the area? Yeah, there are a good number. Some of them live in remote areas, some of them live in very simple housing conditions, but they all have the same needs as you and I, they need Jesus Christ. So what kinds of things are on the future for Riverside Farms? Uh, well, we plan on expanding our banana uh, plantation. Right now, as a, matter, as a means of self-support, we are growing about 25,000 banana stations, as they're called. They're not really trees. Uh, we're also having 130 acres of wheat under irrigation right now growing, and uh, we are planning to expand and develop the banana par portion. We've also been thinking about establishing a small pineapple lot, and we need these things for income generation. At this point, I would also like to thank the different partner organizations which have helped us in the past. I'm thinking of ASI. We have been um, recipients of their help for years. They helped us to put up a tailoring building. They've helped us with the one-day church. They've helped us with many different things, and we are very thankful for that. I'd also like to mention Remnant Publications. We received 40,000 Bibles from them last year, and they're all out already. 40,000 Bibles, and they are very, very popular. I'd also like to mention uh, their new donation, 20,000 Bibles that we received again this year, and we won't have any problem to get rid of those Bibles, I'll promise that. On top of that, I'd like to thank uh, Lightbearers Ministry. For years, we have been receiving containers of free literature, and they are such a blessing. Some of them is in local languages, some of them, some of these pieces of literature is, are in English, and they are such a blessing. Sometimes on Sabbath afternoons, I take my family and we go to the local jail and we pass out literature to these inmates. You should see their joy when somebody visits these people and gives them a, a banana or a few bananas plus some literature. It's a real blessing and we spread these out like the leaves of autumn. Ron, thank you so much for what you are doing at Riverside Farms Institute. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Now coming to the podium is Neil Nedley. Neil Nedley is the president for Weimar Center of Health and Education. And with him is George Johnson, who I'll let him introduce. Uh, let's see, just come forward. And uh, Neil, share with us a little bit about what Weimar Institute is. Where is it located and what's the, the focus of the program? In Weimar, California, uh, which is right outside of Sacramento, the uh, capital of uh, California. Uh, we're about 45 minutes in a beautiful section of California, the Sierra Mountains, uh, there in the foothills. And uh, we run a, a New Start uh, Center. If you have uh, any health issues, it's a great place to come. New Start uh, uh, Center and the Lodge and the whole program has worldwide recognition. We have people and patients referred from all over the world, really, to New Start to regain their health. And uh, in addition to that, we run a college and an academy. And our college has taken an emphasis uh, in a direction where we're really training health uh, professionals and pre-health professionals. Uh, we have started a pre-med program, a pre-dent program, pre-physical therapy, pre-nursing, and as a result of ASI's grant, we'll actually be having a nursing program uh, soon uh, at Weimar uh, College. And uh, we've just uh, started this program, have over 40 freshmen enrolled, and uh, it is exciting to see us uh, get lift and, uh, and to really remember the, uh, the core of four uh, that we have. If you have any student that you know of that really wants to be involved in evangelism. Every student at Weimar will be involved in direct evangelism in the Sacramento area, as well as every faculty member. In addition to that, academic excellence is the second core. The third core is health of body, mind, and soul. 
emotional intelligence is going to be part of the core curriculum of teaching the students there at Weimar. We want each student at Weimar to be a leader in mission wherever they go. And we'll be planting them worldwide as we have for many years, but especially uh, the emotional intelligence uh, section, which has to do with a lot of health components will be emphasized. And then the fourth component is love of work. And so if you have a student who doesn't quite love it yet, uh, it's, it's important to uh, remember Weimar if they have an interest in academic uh, excellence as well. Neil, why don't you introduce your colleague to us and have him share a few words about one of those core yes. um, aspects you were This sharing. is George Jackson. George Jackson is the most uh, published uh, biologist, one of the most published biologists in our denomination, maybe the most published. Uh, he reached the pinnacle of his career just a year or so ago when he was put in charge of the sixth largest research project uh, in the world, uh, the Marine Census. He's a marine biologist. Uh, but uh, I called him uh, after taking this position to head up our health science department because of our academic excellence and also he's involved in a lot of soul winning. He's a great evangelist. And uh, George, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what happened to help you to come to Weimar. Let me, say, let me say, Neil, I'm very excited to be here. It was a little bit of a struggle leaving my career to follow what God wanted to do, but I've never looked back. But I was working in Canada as a scientist, but still employed at the University of Tasmania in the state of Tasmania, and that's where our home was. We had a lovely home on 25 acres. That was our little, our dream place. Uh, and how do you take a job in, a, in another country when you have a home somewhere else, and how does it all work? Well, our home wasn't for sale, but somebody came and bought it. And it's a kind of a long, drawn-out story. They had actually approached us prior to this whole Weimar thing happening when we had called the people back saying, well, we're actually considering selling our house. Uh, they were within hours of signing a contract on another house. They got very excited because they very wanted our home. Uh, to make a long story short, they, did a, uh, they had an assessment, a valuation done in the house, which was way low. And we thought, how can we sell our home? We can't sell our home for that. And I never even called the people back. I just did not know what to do. The people eventually called me back and said, well, maybe it's time that we made an offer on your house. Uh, and he made a very generous offer, way above what the valuation was on our house. They offered us cash, paid cash for our house, uh, and then the economy crashed two weeks later. So we saw that as a great uh, uh, God moving there, and we look back on that whenever we get discouraged and see that as a great Ebenezer in our life. Well, it certainly sounds like, that gives new meaning to the, the phrase, um, God will answer before you even call. Yes. So that sounds really fascinating that he's given you that opportunity to, to do some, provide some leadership uh, in that department at Weimar. Do you have a couple of closing thoughts? We just have a few seconds left. Well, George Jackson's daughter is going to be one of the pre-med students there, and so he has a high interest in uh, really uh, getting these core of four for all of the students uh, that come to Weimar. And so remember Weimar in your prayers. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, ASI. We're happy to continue our program featuring Supporting Ministries, and I have with me one of the veterans of Supporting Ministries, Wilbur Atwood, who is from Wildwood Lifestyle Center and Hospital. It does happen to be somebody that I know fairly well because he's my father, so I'm happy for the privilege of interviewing him this afternoon. Well, I'd like to ask you, when was Wildwood started? I think it's been around perhaps longer than some of the others, so tell us, when did it start? Well, it's fascinating to me that it started in 1942, which is the year I was born, so I sort of feel like I belong there. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Wildwood and tell us in what specific ways does Wildwood contribute to the advancement of God's cause. And I believe we have some pictures to show as well. Tell us how you contribute to God's cause. Wildwood started out to be an outpost to uh, preach the gospel in Chattanooga. Elder W.D. Frizee was the founder. But, you know, in Ministry of Healing it says, often our plans fail, that God's plans for us may succeed. So it ended up being primarily a medical missionary project. We deal with people that have a variety of illnesses, uh, 
that come to our place, our lifestyle center, and through lifestyle change, natural remedies, they are restored to health. In the process, we have a number of baptisms that take place. Now, much of what is done will be reaped later. As you know, Jesus, the work that he did uh, on Pentecost, that's when the reaping took place. So we do get some now, but we expect most of it will be later. One of the beautiful aspects of our work is that it's so easy. You know, a lot of people are ready for a Bible approach, but there's a lot of people that are not. In fact, they would interpret that as a selfish motive to make them a member of your church. But medical missionary work, because we're taking care of their needs, meeting what they need, it opens their hearts and now they're ready for something else. And so it's, uh, uh, being a shy person actually, for me it's, uh, it's a wonderful type of work. I enjoy uh, meeting the people there. Then of course the other aspect is we get into teaching. Our call from God, we believe, is to do all that we can to make every Seventh-day Adventist a medical missionary. Now we're glad there's some others helping us, but that's our goal, to both inspire to uh, train, to do anything we can to accomplish that objective. And just recently, one of the opportunities has come our way where we can go into churches, both Adventists and non-Adventists, and we can give them some training, and then we can interview them if they have health problems. And this is just mushrooming all over the place. We're even able to charge uh, uh, sufficient to make it a self-supporting endeavor. And so we're really excited about this new dimension. Well, it sounds like there are a lot of things happening. Could you tell us, are you affiliated or associated with other supporting ministries? Well, it has always been interested in the world field. And actually at the beginning, before Outpost Centers International was formed, Wildwood was interfacing with all kinds of institutions around the world, but the work grew so much, it was too much for Wildwood to do. So OCI was spun off of Wildwood, but we already had the spirit of starting other places, so we couldn't stop. We keep on doing it. We have a project in Brazil, India, Dominican Republic, and several others in other parts of the world field. Beside that, we have people, they come because of the reputation of being around so long. They come to receive training and experience at Wildwood. So we have doctors that come from many countries. Then when they go back home, they want to establish a project similar to Wildwood. And so we're not shepherding all of those, but uh, we're involved at least in getting people interested and inspired to do it. Well, thank you so much for sharing what Wildwood is doing, and may God continue to bless you and all of the ministries that are started from the ministry of Wildwood. And our prayers go with you, and we thank you so much for sharing with us. Amen. In fact, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about one of those children of Wildwood, and that is light. Uh, you've probably heard about it before, but we're happy to be presenting some more about what is going on in this very special program. And I'd like Linda to tell us what light is all about. God is doing some exciting things with LIGHT. LIGHT is an acronym that stands for Lay Institute of Global Health Training. Inspiration has told us medical missionary work is the right hand of the gospel. It is necessary for the advancement of the cause of God. As the right hand of the third angel's message, God's methods of treating disease will open doors for the entrance of present truth. LIGHT grew out of this council and also 
out of a desire to become more effective in sharing the love of Jesus with people in the 1040 window. It's grown far beyond that as well. Thanks to God's blessing and thanks to ASI and its financial support, Light has grown from a dream four years ago to a vibrant evangelistic organization that is seeking to share God's love through health education. Light offers many one-month intensive health programs for students around the world. It gives further training to serious, interested students with the goal of strengthening the work of gospel evangelism, of training more teachers and missionaries around the world, establishing wellness centers where we can reach out with the love of Jesus to many people who would never come to an evangelistic meeting. Students learn how about health promotion, prevention of disease, simple natural treatments of disease, massage, classes in practical Christianity and evangelism. They get experience in helping lead out in health expos, in cooking classes, natural remedies seminars, and many other forms of health evangelism. So I understand that students can get a training in a relatively short period of time. Now, after they receive that training, then what happens from there? What do they do when they graduate? Well, the opportunities are endless. Some of the most frequent things, if they've just done a one-month training, is that they will go back and take these tools to their tent-making skill as a pastor, a literature evangelist, as a plumber, a doctor, whatever they're doing. And it will make them more effective in sharing Jesus. It can also help to train them to become teachers in new light schools around the world, train them to become missionaries for Jesus, and establish new wellness centers around the world. And there's many more. Could you show us perhaps some pictures of what's currently happening with light? We'd be delighted to. What you can see now here is a picture from the Philippines. This is one of the schools of light. There are many that are in the Philippines. This is a new school in Honduras. If you look at the staff here in this school, the oldest one is 24 years old. God has also granted a school in Austria, first German school, German-speaking school. This is a health expo that is happening in Ireland. This is a school that is taking place in Italy. This here, the picture you see now is a training program that took place in May and June in Israel. This is another school in Haiti. And here's some first fruits of the evangelism done by the students there. Here is also a school that was, took place in Puerto Rico. God is working. These are just a few of the places. If you look, Looks like they don't have the next slide. God ha has given in 2009 the possibility to conduct over 30 schools in many different areas of the world as one-month schools. And then he has also given the opportunity to conduct quite a large number of six-month courses. And we're hoping in this coming year to have at least 30 countries in which we have schools the one-month schools, and even more six-month schools. God is working, and it's going to be exciting to see what he does. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Could you just let us know how we can get in contact with you very briefly? Lightingtheworld.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. And now we're going to move on to another country. We're going to move on to Poland, a ministry that's been in Poland for a few years now. And I'd like to welcome Robert Kuczek, who is here with us. Thank you for joining us. I'd like you to tell us what kind of a ministry do you have there in Poland? 
Okay, we're involved in the publishing and health ministry. Okay, well, could you tell us how long you've been in ministry? We have started our ministry just after the fall of communism in 1991, and since the time we are operating at the beginning, we started with a little uh, letter-sized press in a small room about 75 square, meet, uh, square feet. Okay, and so what do you do now then in your ministry? Okay, we've been involved in many uh, projects. I would like to tell you uh, one um, story from some years ago where one of my friends came to me with a wonderful idea of advertising a great controversy. He found a very unique way, and we thought that we will give it a chance. We printed about 20,000 pamphlets of advertisement sheets, and uh, this created a movement among people to sell the book, and uh, we didn't have at this time, we didn't have resources to print larger volumes and to lower the price of the book, but it was at this time when ASI helped us with giving us $20,000 to build our inventory. We were able with this money to print larger quantities of great controversy and start selling this book on a larger scale. And finally, the book, we reached the goal of 100,000 copies that we wanted to reach, but we went beyond this to 200,000 copies, and the book became the most biggest, the best-selling book in the country, including all commercially published books. That's amazing, the great controversy, the, the bestseller in Poland. That is really the blessing of God. We praise God for that, that he was using your ministry to accomplish that. Well, what about today? What's happening today? Could you tell us some stories of what's happening? Well, I thought that uh, it would be nice to repeat the same things uh, some other day. Uh, and I've been coming to ASI watching the Youth for Jesus program, thinking that maybe someday there will be a possibility to start something like this in Poland. Uh, Somehow, I have to tell you one thing, our ministry is based in Poland and we support the whole ministry, the health ministry and the publishing ministry from the press. We operate a large press now and we don't, base, we don't, we don't have so much support by donations, so we have to cover all our expenses by printing commercially, commercial advertisement. And since the economy is such like in the US, we are affected by less and less orders this year. Uh, but the Lord is good and he gave us a better job, a um, job of printing books. We, again in this year, uh, in cooperation with the Polish Union Publishing House, were able to start a new project and in the first five months we printed and sold about 140,000 copies of a new book on Second Coming. Wow, praise the Lord. So thank you so much for sharing. How can we reach you if we want to get in contact you, with you? Perhaps go and visit you in Poland sometime. Tell us where you are. Okay, I'm, we are located very close to Warsaw, about 50 kilometers south from Warsaw. You could reach me also by contacting me on, after the meeting. I want to tell you only that we are praying that in this year, uh, God will help us to reach another 200,000 copies with uh, this book. And we are aiming again for the best-selling book of the country uh, with this book. Amen. Our prayers will go with you. Thank you so much for Thank sharing. Thank you very much. As we continue with another segment, Spotlight on Supporting Ministries, we actually come back home. We've just been around the world a little bit and learned about some of the organizations overseas. And now we're here back in North America to talk with Scott Moore, the director of LIFE. And I'm going to let you tell us what that means, where it's located, and what it's about. LIFE stands for the Lay Institute for Evangelism, 
We're located just northwest of Orlando, Florida, and it is about training North Americans to do the work of an evangelist, whether they are an evangelist, whether they are a pastor, or a lay member, or a brand new convert. We want to train people to win souls to Jesus Christ. And Scott, Life has a unique relationship with ASI. What is that? Well, Life's unique relationship with ASI is that a gentleman donated some funds to start this school, and he donated those to ASI. And ASI is using those funds to run the Lay Institute for Evangelism. Can you share a little bit about exactly what the program entails? Sure. What we do at Life is our first week entitled, in, incorporates the cycle of evangelism, where you actually learn how to implement the evangelistic cycle in your local congregation. In our second and third weeks, we have a class called Life on the Edge, and this is where we are teaching you how to use your Bible to overcome the difficult texts that people bring to you, how to mark your Bible so that no matter where you go, whether you're young when you come to life or whether you're old when you're rejuvenated to life, you have that tool to use no matter where you go to share the gospel of Jesus with other people. Now you have some pictures that will help us kind of take us on that journey. Why don't you refer to those at this time? I sure will. The first four slides that you will see are slides of our morning worship. Uh, there you see a young lady playing our piano. We just have invigorating morning worships every morning. And the gentleman that you'll see on the next slide that is preaching is one of our students. His name is Rudy. Now on the next slide, you'll see a young lady named Ayla. Ayla and Rudy were partners when they were doing outreach. And I had the privilege every day of taking Ayla to and from school. And so Ayla would, uh, would talk to me a little bit on the way home. But after her first day of outreach, Ayla just could not stop talking. She said, Pastor Scott, I'm just so excited. I've never seen God work like that in my entire life. I just want to do this. This is so much fun. And this is coming from a young lady that is very shy. She said that God, the, 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 uh, the Holy Spirit was just poured out in such a way that she could tell that God was actually working. She said, I just kept my mouth shut and prayed. But God was giving Rudy the verses that he needed in order to work and share the gospel with the people that they knocked on the door of. Now, we've moved through a few pictures, and uh, I want you to share a little bit about at least one of the pictures that we saw that had some computers. What was that particular program focused sure, on? Sure. Life has a class called Life on the Edge Multimedia Course. And what we do during that course is we train our students to be able to put together professional-looking multimedia presentations. During our Life on the Edge course, when we're teaching them how to mark their Bibles and how to understand the difficult passages, we're also teaching them how to know that Bible study to be like their second nature. And then when it comes to preaching those in an evangelistic meetings, now Debbie, let's suppose that, that you came to life and you took life on the edge and then you took life on the edge multimedia and then you went to be a Bible worker somewhere. So you're giving all of these Bible studies day after day, day in and day out, morning to the evening, and then it comes time for you to preach your evangelistic meeting. You are now preaching those very same Bible studies only in a sermon format and you've already made your own presentations so that you can look just as professional as everybody on 3ABN. So I can actually own and those would feel a part of me so that it would just be very intuitive for me to share Absolutely. that information. Absolutely, it would be second nature. And that's what we want to try to get our students to do is to know the Bible so well that they don't even hesitate when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone. Well, Scott, I can feel your enthusiasm, and we're really glad that you are a part of life, that you're leading out, and that you will teach our young people and all those who will be involved how to know God better, the Word better, and share with others. Thank you very Amen. much. Amen. Can, can I ask them to comeexperiencelife.com? Absolutely. All right. Comeexperiencelife.com. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Our next person that's going to come and share with us, his name is Odakar Jeranik. And Odakar is uh, the director of Country Life in Prague, and he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, exactly what Country Life is. Hello, OCI friends, uh, or ASI friends, I'm sorry, but there are OCI friends too there. So, uh, Country Life uh, is a two-body institution. And the first body is the business body, 
and it includes an organic farm of 200 acres, a mill, a bakery, a major wholesale, five stores downtown Prague, three vegetarian restaurants, uh, and we have through those premises contacts with thousands of customers a day. And this is also the main income generator for the institution, and it's also the opportunity for work for 125 workers. Now, Olkar, I understand that country life is a lot more than just about food. Are there other programs, other initiatives that uh, you direct through country life? Sure. This is just the upper part of the iceberg. Uh, I think the bigger part is the outreach, uh, which maybe not everybody sees, like they are not so visible, but they are very well present. Uh, so the outreach part incorporates uh, uh, we run the outreach part on our own non-profit corporation and incorporates lectures, uh, publishing, books and magazines. Uh, we organize also health expos. Uh, we have health clubs. This is a program we are also exporting to other countries, just most recently to Israel too. And we have uh, the New Start Health Weeks, uh, which we run uh, several times in a year in rented premises and we have 300 to 400 customers a year. We have also what we started, a special restaurant church. It's an alternative church where there are uh, it's a lit different liturgy that we are used uh, in our churches. Uh, we are also building a community center up uh, above the restaurant, and we have also a medical missionary school. Last year, we had about 108 students on that school, uh, daily students and distance students, and this school is open also for non-Adventists, uh, so not uh, Christians. Uh, the school has different teaching different topics. We have six uh, state-recognized certificates. One is a lifestyle counselor, natural remedies, massage, uh, vegan cook, organic farm, and humanitarian workers. And we include always with those health topics, uh, we include also spiritual topics. So we had so far 420 graduates, and many of them are uh, coming like atheists, and became believers during their studies. It sounds like a very comprehensive and sophisticated operation. I'm, I'm tired just listening to you because there's so much stuff that's going on. It sounds remarkable. Can you share with us a little bit about um, some of the challenges you may face? Is it true that it's difficult, uh, it's a real challenge to do outreach in Europe? And so in the area where you are working, how receptive are individuals to the message? Especially in our country, which is one of the most secularized countries in uh, not only in Europe, but in the world. Uh, it's always difficult to touch people. But we have a very good armory uh, of tools, and I have, I have told you se about several of them. So this is a very interesting thing because we have different steps where we can reach people. Not only uh, by one specialized topic, but we can, they can go from one program to the other and then increase or deepen their roots, and gradually they became Christian. Do you have a story that you can share with us? Oh, yeah. We have a story of a young lady, maybe you saw her on the, on the slides. Uh, her name is Dana. Yeah. She was uh, involved with different cults and religions in the past, and uh, she was a very, uh, very sacrificial uh, person, but was betrayed several times in her life, uh, lost her life savings, her marriage broke, uh, and she wanted to commit suicide. Uh, but she felt that it, she doesn't have the right to do that. Uh, and nevertheless, she hoped when she will seek uh, for justice, truth, and love, that she will find them. She overcame her depression and started uh, ethical therapy. Uh, but again, she was betrayed and she was disappointed by different kind of healers. And suddenly they noticed that they are health lectures at Country Life. Uh, she felt that this is the right place where she can find truth and love. Uh, so she enrolled to our school and she went through the whole stu studies, the different topics. 
of course, with her studies, she also was reached by the Christian message. Uh, and uh, despite she was a Buddhist-oriented person, uh, she admired a special sort of Christians who are even vegetarian. Uh, through their studies, a lot of questions have been answered, and uh, the teaching started to create uh, truth uh, to God. Uh, she filled her with new hope, and she was happy to find Christian representatives, which, contrary to other denominations, are, uh, are valuing health, and also that they are uh, accepting the full truth and the full commandments, uh, Lord commandments, I mean the Decalogue. Last summer, she was baptized. Uh, and uh, one topic, she became a very valuable tool now in Lord's hands. Uh, she started a, a counseling, ethic counseling uh, practice, and she's using the Christian method. She's uh, using uh, Christ methods. She also has sent a lot of students to our, news, uh, to our school and also to our health labs. Uh, so she found a purpose on her life by serving uh, Jesus. Uh, oh, Odakar, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing what's going on there at Country Life and all the things that are happening yeah. and all the people that are being touched. Thank you very much for sharing with us yeah. this afternoon. We pray for the nine new people who are getting ready for baptism in uh, September. Amen. They are all our students. So. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for ASI, too. Isn't it marvelous to see what God can do as we put our minds at work if we really think about how we can be creative to touch people's lives. Now standing with me is Chuck Cleveland. He's the director of um, Her Resources. That's how it looks when it's spelt. It actually stands for Health Education Resources. And uh, tell us a little bit about um, HER, what it, what it uh, is all about. Health Education Resources seeks to provide uh, educational, health educational materials with the idea of trying to find something at reasonable prices that any of our churches or lay members could afford. Now, I am really happy for Health Education Resources because our church has been a recipient of, of those materials and has been very use, useful. Can you describe for us exactly what they look like and what's involved, what, what's included in these resources? We based our Health Expo banners on the eight laws of health in Ministry of Healing. And so there are two representing each concept, two for exercise and nutrition and so forth. And they're professionally designed with certain educational points so that as people come in through a screening program, they can also be learning at the same time. And it gives a very professional look to the Health Expo. Now, Chuck, I understand that these uh, are, are these available in a variety of languages or is just English available? No, we're in about 40 different languages. And the Lord has blessed ever since we started doing this uh, that we probably have sent around the world over 500 different sets. Amen. Um, tell us what, about some of the results you might have heard as a result of the uh, use of the materials around the world. Well, maybe, Debbie, I could tell you about uh, a local experience in my own hometown. You know, I've had the privilege of being in institutional work for many years, and so I've been traveling a lot. But in the last several years, we've settled down uh, not too far from Collegedale, uh, Tennessee, on Dunlap, Tennessee, and it's been a privilege to just try working in the local community, even though I still work a lot overseas. And so our community is 5,000 people. And uh, we decided to train our church, and out of 100 members, we had 60 of them come out for training. And they've just been really tremendous to work with. We got the City Hall Training Center to use it in downtown Dunlap, where our one stoplight is. And, uh, but everybody in town knows it. And it's fun to work in a small community because advertising is a lot easier to reach out. So even the Sunday churches were cooperative. And we hoped to get 100 people in a small town. And God gave us 200. Oh, 
And, and the expo is a time where you get acquainted with them enough where they can just walk in and sort of try it out. Once they get there, they think, what a tremendous program it is. And there we start signing them up for follow-up programs. We signed up about 11 people for Stop Smoking. It's hard to find them today that want to quit smoking if they haven't already. And a week later, we started and seven of them came and stopped smoking. We signed up 50 of them for a cooking class and three weeks later, we had 54. So it really does help to prepare the way. That sounds really fascinating. I'm curious what some of the results might be around the world since they're available in so many different languages. Well, let me tell you about a recent experience in Israel, my first time to go to Israel in May-June. I was invited by Dr. Nick Dan of our Hergelia Health Center in Romania to come and help him to run one of our light schools that Linda Horner described a few minutes ago. And uh, we have a few pictures we can show you. They train the 30 individuals in Israel, Adventist individuals, how to do the health expo as well as to be a medical missionary. And then we rented a large auditorium in Haifa on the Mediterranean Sea. And there we were able to have our health expo over a six-day period of time. In that period of time, we screened between six and 700 individuals and got to know them. They came back several times, many of them. And from there, we offered them to sign up also for future classes. We wondered if they would, if they would trust us. Do you know that nearly one half of everyone that went through the health expo signed up and said they're interested in follow-up programs? So now we have, thanks to Otakar who was just here, they cooperated, we all networked together in OCI. They sent a man from Czech Republic that was an expert in health clubs and trained our mission field there how to do the follow-up programs on a weekly basis. And then our long-term range goal is we must have a permanent health center and medical missionary school in Israel. It was two weeks ago, I was getting ready to go back to Europe to the Geneva for the General Conference Lifestyle summit that they were having with the World Health Organization. I was privileged to present a workshop there. And I was just going through security in Atlanta. And I, you know, you're putting your shoes back on, putting your computer back in your backpack. And an Orthodox Jew sat down next to me and he was getting his shoes on. And I, I just normally don't try to greet them because they're not always the most friendly to us Gentiles. But having just been there, I kind of wanted to, but I still hesitated. And my mouth did it anyway. I just found myself greeting him. And he warmly greeted me back. We got our shoes on and we started down the elevator, escalator to the train and ended up on the same concourse. And I, I asked him where he was from, assumed Israel. And he said, well, I was raised in Northern California. I said, oh, really, so was I. Where were you born? He said, oh, born in Berkeley. I said, well, I was born in Berkeley. And we started comparing notes. Can any good thing come out of Berkeley? And anyway, we kind of hit it off. But he lives in North Israel not far from the Sea of Galilee. I said, you're kidding, we'd love to have a health center there. He said, what do you mean by health center? And so I described to him what we'd love to have, kind of a, you know, where we could have 10 or 20 people there at a time, two weeks, three weeks, and go through the principles of health, follow up on the health expo, and he became very interested. You know what his name is? Noah. I like it. Anyway, he says, well, look it, I'm traveling for three weeks, you're traveling three weeks, you email me, and I'll tell you, my cousin's in real estate, I said, but I heard it's hard to get real estate property in Israel. And he says, well, it's not if you're persistent. I said, well, I come from those kinds of people. So I said, I'm interested. He says, okay, my cousin has a property that sounds just like what you're looking for. He's emailed me five times. He's shown me a property that looks perfect. I can't believe it. I've never had it so easy. So we're going to be taking it up in our OCI board meeting tomorrow. And we're just praying that the Lord is going to let us follow through and assist the mission, work hand in hand, and see if we could advance the work 
there in Israel. Oh, well, Chuck, we're looking forward to the rest of the story. Thank you very much God for sharing. You. Isn't it marvelous what can happen when we, again when we extend ourselves and maybe go outside of our comfort zones a little bit to touch people? Now we have uh, joining me uh, James Rafferty and Ty Gibson. They are the co-directors of Lightbearers Ministry. Yes. And um, I understand that Lightbearers has something to do with paper. Paper is what we're so, all about. So, yes. so tell me what you do with this paper when it comes to you. Well, Debbie, as you know, uh, the print medium was actually invented under inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Johann Gutenberg for the publication of the Word of God. The Kingdom of God owns the printing medium. It was raised into existence to proclaim the gospel. And Lightbearer's ministry has everything to do with paper because we publish the gospel in multiple languages and send it as a gift to the World Church, to missions, conferences, unions, and divisions around the world for missionary work and evangelism. Now, this is really quite a blessing. Uh, one of the earlier interviews mentioned about networking, and you guys seem to be um, experts at that because every time I hear something about someone doing something around the world, somehow I hear about light bearers and light bearers is doing what they're doing and what they're providing. James, how do you make those contacts, and, and how does someone get you to partner with them so that you can send this wonderful Good paper? Good question, Debbie. I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Poland for their camp meeting, 10-day camp meeting, and Ty and I have been doing meetings, Bible studies, evangelism for 25 years, and that's how it began. So I'm in Poland doing a camp meeting, and when I'm there, I show them our 10-minute video, the newest one, and the people there were so excited about that that immediately after that, I met with a conference president and a union president. And after about 15 minutes, it dawned on them what we were offering. Two to three million pieces of literature uh, in a container free of charge for them to use for outreach in this country that's 90% Catholic. They got so excited. And immediately, um, we began making plans for getting literature to Poland next year, hopefully at least one container of literature to Poland next year. So a lot of it takes place as we travel and we connect with people doing seminars and evangelism and outreach. But it also happens through our website. Uh, the website, lbm.org, uh, publishing ministry, there's a, a form there that people can fill out. We're letting people know, it goes out by word of mouth, and they can just fill out that form, contact us, and let us know that they want literature. Now, Ty, tell us a little bit about what might be available in terms of languages and a scope of content or topics. Well, we've done so far about 35 different languages, and the spectrum would be from, of course, English, Spanish, French, uh, all the way to, uh, to Swahili, which is a project that we just did, and a few other dialects of African languages. And, and, uh, and this literature, as far as content is concerned, and, and this is very vital, this is important to understand, Lightbearers Ministry specifically is interested in giving the full message of the first, second, and third angel's message in the context of the gospel and the incredibly beautiful and powerful and empowering love of God. So our, our effort is not just to give the bare bones facts of the doctrines, but to, to weave the gospel into all of these precious doctrines that we hold as a people. So, so this literature will include Bible study sets, it will include multiple track series, it will include the whole book of Revelation broken down verse by verse and explained, the whole book of Daniel verse by verse and explained, and multiple spirit of prophecy tracks on different subjects from the Conflict of the Ages series, the book Steps to Christ, broken down into individual small bites tracks that are produced in mass by the millions as James said and then sent to the front lines for mission work as a gift. 
James, tell me um, in just let the remaining few seconds that we have, what's in the future for Light Bearers Ministry? Well, right now, uh, we are reaping the consequences, the positive consequences of a move we made in 2006. 2001, we kind of uh, topped out at about 22 containers in a year, and we started going back down from there because our resources and personnel availability, et cetera, was difficult where we were living. So we moved to Oregon, Eugene, Oregon area, right across from Laurelwood Academy. And in this new location, we began um, with the hopes that we would be able to increase our production. Well, the first year we got 10 containers, then 11 containers. This year we planned for 12, and we have sent out 15 containers. That's about two a month. And at the rate we're going, we're hoping to get out 24 for the year. So our future, the potential we're looking for is to double, if not uh, go beyond, the production of literature and get out to the fields like India and China once those doors open up where we have not yet um, been able to uh, send tracks like the Leaves of Autumn. Well, we will continue to pray for Light Bearers Ministry as you get the word out through the Leaves of Autumn, our literature. Thank you. A few years ago, I had the privilege of attending uh, Supporting Ministry Academy. And in this next segment, we are going to be interviewing some people that are working at different academies. And I have with me Chester and Harriet Clark from Washita Hills Academy. And I'd like to ask you a question. I understand that Washita Hills Academy was started about 22 years ago. In fact, you were the founders of Washita Hills Academy. Tell us, why did you desire to start Washita Hills Academy? Well, as I recall, there were several factors that um, played a fact, uh, part of this. One was that we saw a lot of our academy and college classmates losing their joy of the Lord and, and uh, losing their way spiritually and, and living for the world. And in the mid-80s, we read a book entitled Madison, God's Beautiful Farm. And that was a real inspiration as we saw how the influence of Madison actually helped to develop the work, not just in the Southern Union, but around the world as well as they trained and equipped young people to go into unentered areas. And that's what we were involved with in, in Southwest Arkansas at the time. So in short, we were realizing that rightly training an army of young people would help us get off this planet a little sooner. Amen. Well, tell us, how has the Lord blessed your ministry since you started 22 years ago? Well, there are so many things, it's hard to uh, know just exactly what to say, but um, since we met with the ASI family last year, one of our uh, prayers was answered. We needed to, as the college is developing, we needed to have more room to develop the college buildings and uh, dormitories, and we were able to purchase with the generosity of several of our ASI family the 40 acres that adjoined our campus, and we were in the process of developing that for, for the college uh, program. Uh, but from a spiritual standpoint, we have done a research recently and found that 93% of our graduates are still active in the Adventist Church, Amen. and that gives us an awful lot lot of uh, satisfaction as we see our young people uh, maturing and taking responsibilities, becoming leaders in the generation for, uh, of Youth for Christ, and many are evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and we're involved in several church plants as well uh, with the college students. Amen. Well, why don't you share some of the other things that you're doing currently, and I believe you have some pictures as well that we can see to get really an idea of what's happening at Washita Hills Academy currently. Certainly. You know, God's counsels are that our young people and our teachers should work closely together. And we, we find the students and teachers work together and, and uh, we are just like a big family. And it's really delightful to see them uh, participating in church services in the areas around us. We have an annual Christmas program that, uh, for our community. And uh, there's just many things that, uh, uh, especially we, well, Harriet's gonna talk about the mission program that our students are involved with as well. Okay, tell us about that. 
Since 98, we have been doing evangelistic meetings around the world, and it's just been thrilling as we have seen young people not only um, make calls for baptism that resulted in over 5,000 baptisms so far, but give their own lives to the Lord. Mm -hmm. This year, I had a very excited father call me around 10.30 one night, and he said he had just gotten off the phone with his son who was over in the Philippines, and his son had made the call for baptism. He was a nice young man, but he'd never given his heart to the Lord, not fully. And so he, he called his dad and he says, Dad, when I get home, I can't put this off any longer. I have to be baptized, make arrangements when I get home. Mm -hmm. And I think evangelism is life-changing. And it's just so exciting for us as we see um, our young people making decisions for the Lord. This summer we've had uh, one of our young people preaching in the meetings here in Phoenix. We've had another one who was conducting an evangelistic meeting in Texarkana and was thrilled because his own dad responded to the call for baptism. Amen. And we had another young man whose folks are now missionaries in Nepal and he's just preached a two-week series there and you know Nepal is not a really easy meet place to have meetings. Why don't you give us just a little glimpse of maybe one of your evangelistic campaigns. We have a video and we'll let our audience see it and you can tell us what you did over there. Actually, the, what you're going to be seeing is a few clips. Um, we conducted four simultaneous meetings in the Philippines. Our young people preached the health, health meetings. They preached the sermons. We're so thankful for the ASI DVD program and New Beginnings. Uh, they conducted the children's meetings, and they just, um, you know, reached out and touched the lives of hundreds of, of people. And it's, it is indeed evangelism, not only for the country they go to, but for the young people. Amen. Well, why don't you tell us in the few minutes that remain, what do you do in order to network with other ministries, and how do you cooperate with people that are doing similar things or are in ministry for the Lord? In 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you about two networking opportunities that we're so excited about. One is with Audioverse. Audioverse has, is reaching people in 140 countries with downloads of truth-filled messages, and they've asked us to help them by providing hard copies for people who don't want to download but want to be able to give CDs and DVDs to um, their neighbors and friends or family. But the most exciting is 3ABN Latino, and my time is now up, but I want, I, if you'll show just a video, I'll, I'll speak for two seconds. The, um, we have a college media program, two-year program. We don't want to train people for Hollywood. We want them to tra be trained for ministry. And it's just been really exciting as our college young people have had this opportunity. Amen. And we thank, three, uh, we thank ASI for the opportunities in networking and in fellowship. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. It's so encouraging to see the, the way that the Lord is blessing and the students' lives that are changed. We're going to be speaking about another academy now. This is one that I've visited several times. It's a beautiful one. In, in Castle Valley, Utah, Daystar Academy, and I have Jerry and Wendy Harris with me today, and uh, we're happy to be talking a little bit about what's happening there. Tell us a little bit about Daystar, Jerry, if you don't mind, and show us a picture, too, of what Daystar looks like. Okay. Daystar Academy is located in the southeast corner of Utah. Uh, we're located in a beautiful valley. We're surrounded on three sides by red rock mesas. The other side is uh, the LaSalle Mountains. We have numerous peaks up there above 12,000 feet. Uh, we have a, a Christ-centered academic program, and uh, we also have a, a strong work program where we, we emphasize the practical skills, skills for the students. And our, our work program kind of centers around our farm. We have a very diverse farm. Uh, we have um, greenhouses. We have an orchard. We grow alfalfa and weeds. We have a, like a 15-acre market garden. Um, so they get, they get quite an experience for that. We also do uh, a weekly outreach program, and every year all the students are involved in a uh, mission program. 
Okay. Well, do you have anything that's new that's just started at Daystar? Some new programs, perhaps? Yeah. One thing that we're, we're starting this year is uh, we're calling it the Daystar Outdoor Education Program. And with the environment we're in, we're kind of in outdoor recreation heaven. Um, our area is, is worldwide known for, especially for the mountain biking and the rock climbing. So we're setting up a program where we're going to, we have um, um, some local, actually some local experts in the areas. We're going to do teaching in the rock climbing, mountain biking. Um, we're going to do horsemanship. We're going to do river rafting. We're going to do um, some birding classes and, and numerous things. We want to present them so that any of the students, uh, regardless of their skill level, can be, can be involved in them. Uh, we want to do it as an, an educational thing so that they can, they can learn how to do this stuff properly. They can learn safety techniques and um, also as recreation. Uh, I feel it's important that our kids have um, appropriate recreation, especially in this day and age and, and a lot of the recreation that the, the world provides. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also are putting a, an outreach and a witnessing twist to this program. So each of these entities will be involved. Uh, we know whether they're rafting down the river or learning uh, rock climbing, uh, there will be an outreach program on that. And one of them that we've worked with for a number of years uh, is our horsemanship program. So Wendy, tell us a little bit about that. Our horsemanship program has been going for many, many years, and that we're classifying it under the outdoor education, even though we've been doing it quite a while. And that's kind of how we got to thinking about these other things, was the exciting things that we're seeing about our horse program. You take a horse, and you take a student, and, and they learn things. They learn um, how to ride better. They learn how to care. They learn the responsibility. Um, and it's really exciting because it's not long, and these two become a team, mm -hmm. and there's just nothing like it. The other thing that happens is that they learn to encourage one another. You know, we see a lot of that. and. Um, then the, the kind of the third thing that happens, which we're really excited about, is our horse program that we designed for the students has become a witnessing program, and that is, is just thrilling because um, we started inviting some people from the community to come and join us and we go for a ride or meet us at the arena. We're working on some techniques, and the fellowship is just wonderful. In fact, one of the couples came and spent the entire graduation weekend going to all of the meetings, and I visited with the, the gal, and she just was... These, these feel like our kids that are graduating, moving on, and we are so proud of them. Amen. That's what ASI is all about, witnessing in our marketplace. Definitely. Wherever the Lord, wherever we are, we are there to witness for the Lord. Um, so why don't you tell us then a little bit about how you network with other ministries? How do you work with others to be able to accomplish the common goal? One of the things we're doing this year um, with, our, with networking is, is our mission program. And uh, we're really excited about it. Um, Daystar is uniting with Maranatha, with Mission Projects Incorporated, and, and ASI. And what we're doing is we're doing a, the one-day church project down in Belize. So we're going to have a container load of churches shipped down there. Uh, Maranatha and ASI will, will take care of that part of the thing. And then um, Mission Projects is uh, working on determining the sites and stuff down there. And then we'll bring our students down in January, and uh, we'll split them up in four or five different groups and we'll build the, the 30 churches down there. So we're really excited about networking and, and getting to be involved in this project. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We really appreciate it. And Wendy, maybe you could just tell us a short story about maybe something that happened to a student at Daystar. Um, this is maybe a touch different, but I'll tell you what. Last summer, I had the opportunity to work a produce stand. I hadn't done much of that. And I saw this gentleman some produce, and he was walking to his car. He got about halfway there, and he turned around, and he came back, and he said, I just see something in the faces of each one of you out there. Amen. He goes, you have something. You have this peace. There's a gentleness. And he goes, thank you so much for what you have given to our community. And I just want to take a brief moment and say thank you, ASI. Thank you, donors. Thank you, parents who sacrifice for Christian education. Mm -hmm. It is not wasted. We see things in students every day. Amen. 
we can witness even by just a smile sometimes. Thank you so much for sharing, and may God richly bless your academy, your ministry, and may it move forward as you continue to network with others as well. Thank you so much. And now we're going to move to my neighbors that live all the way across the country in British Columbia, and Fountain View Academy is here with us. They're going to share a few things that God is doing through their school and the blessings that he is giving to them. So could you tell us a little bit about Fountain View Academy, Scott? Well, Fountain View Academy is an academy just like Watch It Hills and uh, Daystar, very similar in many respects. We have a little bit stronger emphasis on music. That's probably what you know, people would remember us for. But you know, when somebody comes by the booth and they ask me to tell them about Fountain View Academy, I, uh, if there is a student or a parent of a student uh, around, I'll just say, well, why don't you ask them? Because I'm a little bit biased. So <laughs> I'm going to ask Caitlin to tell us what she thinks about Fountain View Academy. Um, you know, the biggest blessing to me in going to Fountain View was um, that it really provided a spiritual environment for me to grow. As a young Christian, I was surrounded by encouragement and mentors that could help me as I began my Christian walk. Amen. Well, I understand that you have an exciting new witnessing tool. Why don't you tell us about it, Scott? Well, we do have a strong emphasis on music, and, and over the years we've had concerts all over the place. And what we typically do is we have the students do an introduction to, to each song. It tells a little bit about what the song is going to be about. But, you know, we thought, let's do something a little bit different. Let's let the, the message drive the song instead of the song drive the message. So we've taken the book Steps to Christ, and we read through the whole thing, outlined every chapter, and there's 13 chapters in the book. We took each chapter, and we summarized the main points into three main points per chapter. Then we took those summaries, put them in a paragraph, and let that be the introduction to the song. Then we chose songs that would go along with the, the chapter summary, right? So we let the message drive the music. We wanted to include music in, in presenting this because music speaks to the emotions. It gives it a, it's, it's a way to communicate emotionally. Then what we did was we took that format and we, we, we made it into 13 half-hour segments, half-hour programs, where we, uh, we have a group of uh, one of our teachers and four students will be in a natural environment. Uh, they're out uh, on our campus. We've got a beautiful campus. We're in British Columbia, Canada, so it's just a, it's beautiful British Columbia. And uh, they're sitting out under the trees in the orchard, down by the river, uh, different locations. And they talk about this topic in Substeps to Christ. Like they'll take each chapter, whether it's God's love for man or repentance or confession, and they, they sit around and they talk about that chapter. And the young people will, will share their personal experiences um, in, in regarding that particular topic. And then what we do is they start out like that, and then it fades into the introduction to the first song, and then the song goes, and then it comes back to the, uh, to the group sitting in the orchard, and they'll discuss the song, and they'll, they'll discuss the, chap the, the subject again, and then it'll fade into another song. It does that three times, so there's three songs per chapter. And at the end of the production, we'll have uh, a little uh, DVD case that will have three DVDs with almost six and a half hours of, of programming on it, as well as three CDs that have an audio version of the book Steps to Christ. And uh, we'll also have uh, a copy of Steps to Christ in that DVD package. And what we want to do is we want this to be an evangelistic tool. And what we found is that uh, we've done a couple of DVDs already where our young people are out in nature singing their songs. We, they're on beaches, they're in the mountains, they're uh, in the forest. And uh, people really seem to like that. They're attracted to it. It's visually attractive. And so what we've done then is we've got this package, and it's, this is something that you can give to your neighbors. And uh, just say, hey, you know, there's, there's a, this, this school and there's these young people. They, they have this music program and they sing outdoors. I think you'd be interested in watching this. And they can watch the video. And then uh, if they're interested, they can go ahead and read the book or they can listen to it in their car with an audio uh, version of that. 
Wow, it sounds like a really good project. I'm interested in knowing what it's like from a student's perspective. How are you involved in this project? Um, it was actually really rewarding to do this project because as a student body, we were actively engaged in almost every single aspect of it. Um, coming back from Christmas break, we were given the opportunity to read Steps to Christ and to suggest songs that we felt um, would tie in with the different chapters. As soon as the songs were chosen, um, students began orchestrating and putting music to the different songs, and within hours of a song being finished, it would be printed off and given to the orchestra so that they could start learning it. Um, and it was really a blessing, too, because we had 39 songs to learn. That's like at least double the amount of songs that we would cover over the course of a year. Um, and we only had two months to learn them and to record them. So um, as soon as the orchestra learned it, we started getting closer to our deadline in March. And um, the orchestra re was recorded. Then the choir recorded their music. Um, and then we left for our film tour in April. And while we were on the tour, um, students actually had the opportunity to stand behind cameras and to do the actual filming of the different songs. Um, once we got back from the tour, um, the students were able to use um, their different interests to edit the, um, the visual film and to put it together with the audio, which they also were involved with the pre and post edit of the audio. Um, and then with the Bible studies, we as students were given the opportunity to share different testimonies that we had that um, combined with the different points that we had in Steps to Christ. So from start to finish, we were really involved, and so it was really a lot of fun to do this project. Well, it sounds like a really good project to do, and it sounds like it really gave the students all kinds of opportunities to learn new things. A visit in this auditorium this afternoon would lead you to the conviction that God must be here because lots of good things happen. A visit to the exhibits would tell you that God has been leading a group of people. All of this would be impossible on its own. God inspires people, gives them the energy, the ability, the ideas so that ASI can continue. We elect officers for a two-year term, and today we change to a new group. One of our past presidents, Debbie, she talks to us today. These past presidents don't seem to quit, they just keep right on going. And she has been in charge here of many things. Talk to us. It's my pleasure to thank Donna and Denzel. Donna McNeilis as the current president. Donna, you have done wondrous in listening to God and leading the organization. We are so grateful that you have chosen to follow the text that says, uh, by my, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so this is just a token to let you know that you should continue to let your light shine as you continue to serve. Thank you very much on behalf of the ASI organization. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.